Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Okay. All right, here we are. Bleachers have changed a little bit. I'm on the move. It is, it's it's full-blown school sesh here at the Blum household. So guess who gets the boot out of their office? This guy. So here I am. I'm in the movie theater again. I don't know if you can see it behind me, Tuttle, but I've got a little bit of a Los Angeles uh, poster in the background. But that one right back there with the guys basically surfing an AR-15, <laughs> which is appropriate, I guess, these days. In Texas, uh, more than California. Texas. But it's uh, in regards to the uh, Point Break movie, the original Point Break movie with uh, what Gary Busey and Keanu Reeves, yeah. uh, a classic there. But uh, I can't yeah. believe you have to say the original. I mean, I watched 10 minutes of the one that came out a couple years ago, and I was like, come on, It was man. like an extreme sports YouTube channel. It, it wasn't was, like a movie. <laughs> you nailed it. That's all it was. It was like, what kind of stunts can we put in this movie? You know, let's get some uh, crazy surfer skydiving guys and see. But, man, the original, come on. Oh. Man. Nothing better. Oh, Johnny I Utah. A, yeah, I am an FBI agent. <laughs> Dude, that was the best. You, hey, so when we traveled, one of my first aliases, uh, when I was with the Montreal Expos when we were on the road because I was so crazy famous that uh, I would get phone calls from so many different people, was Johnny Utah. We, we would have a good time, but my first alias in the big leagues was Johnny Utah when we traveled around it. I love it. You know, that's something we've never talked about on this podcast. And, you know, <laughs> so many when ones. I stayed at the Motel Six in Jackson, Mississippi, I yeah. did not need. I did not need an alias. Hey, are the uh, Chattanooga Lookouts staying at this hotel? I have yeah. a card. But um, but knowing a bunch of people in your uh, realm and guys that moved up and down and uh, went around, I mean, I I've heard some of the best aliases of all oh, time, man. as you have. But man, it's just funny. I mean, you. I guess you can't go. As a Dodger fan, you can't go to the Four Seasons in San Francisco and uh, use your oh, name man. Dave Roberts. You know, you're going to have to mm-hmm. be a little sneakier than that. So, Yeah, when you go in there, you know, it, it, early on in your career, like my rookie year, it was a lot of agents that would call, hey, do you have an agent? Hey, and it would be just messages for days on your hotel phone. But then it eventually, like you said, it turned into all of a sudden fans would be like, oh, I'm going to set a wake-up call for, uh, you know, so-and-so at like 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock yeah. and 5 o'clock. So your phone would be ringing off the hook. So yeah. you had to avoid that. Plus, all of a sudden, it, it turned into, you know, a competition on the team because you get bag tags on your luggage, and it would kind of turn into a competition who could have the craziest name or have the best backstory on their, na- on their name. This is, this is a book. I've been looking for a book. <laughs> like, everybody writes like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, the, the, uh, a friend of mine wrote a book about Alaska Baseball League, which I played in for oh, two summers, awesome. right? And they talk about the fishing trips. Yeah, we, trips we and both the, did, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You were a uh, Kenai. You were in right? a real you, city. Kenai. I was in Kenai. Oh, no, Kenai no, no, was I was in uh, Matsu. Uh, Palmer. Oh, yeah, Palmer. Ma- well, it was Matsu. the Matsu Miners in Palmer, in, Alaska. In Palmer. Ooh. Ooh. There, were, there were not big mosquitoes there. Um, oh. I don't think there's double, a dentist either. Is that a double negative? No <laughs> dentist, huge mosquitoes. Um, anyway, so, but this could be a book. I think this is an idea. Nobody steal our idea, but we should like interview people. I mean, once you're retired, you can give oh, up yeah. your, right? Wouldn't it be great to go back and go, hey, um, you know, David Wells, I'm sure he had a few good ones. You know him well. <laughs> yeah. Like ask Mad Dog, let's, what did Greg Maddox use? Greg Maddox, knowing him, he probably used his real name and then answered the phone and started messing with people. Oh, but, man, uh, that's very true, but, actually. I mean, who knows, right? But I, <laughs> there are some great ones. I mean, even guys, like, who's the most, like, unfamous, nondescript guy to use a good nickname? And then who's the most famous guy that just used his own name? Like, you could really, you could cover the whole spectrum. Oh, and man. You, you know, wouldn't that be a great book? You know what it was? You know, it's funny you said, because, like, the more consistent ones were, it was either... And I mean, granted, when we when we broke through and we were playing, it was in the mid '90s, early mm-hmm. '90s. It was Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp yeah, because yeah. of Tombstone, the movie. Everybody wanted to be. I'll be your Huckleberry. I mean, it that's turned right. into like these one-liners that everybody wanted. Oh, I want to be that character. You know, that's what they would use. Yeah, or how close could they get to the reality? Like somebody used Crash Davis, you know, or yeah. something like that. You're like, wait yeah. a second, Crash <laughs> Davis is a minor leaguer in Durham. I, I'm confused, right? Like mm-hmm. so close to the real baseball, like kind of uh, uh, moniker, I guess, for lack of a better word. And I, I, don't, I don't know. 
it just hit me when you said that you used Johnny Utah, which is a great movie. I mean, it would be really cool to come up with a book idea or at least an interview idea. That should be our question du jour if we start having um, more and more guests Ooh. on here. Is what was your what was your alias when you traveled? Yeah, that could be like the lightning round. What was what was your yeah. first alias or what yeah. was your go to alias? That's actually a good call. Because yeah. I, I would imagine I had we had one. yeah we had Jeff Schwartz on. I wonder in the NFL if they do the same thing. You know, they're only in there for a night or two, but I wonder if they have aliases. That's a great question. See, there we go. See, there we, we got go. more questions for everybody. That's so just funny. opens yeah. up a whole can right there, man. That wasn't even what's on tap. Brought to you by Saint Arnold. You know, I think in this podcast, we're going to be a little bit quicker, try and be a little more concise. It's been a pretty mellow week as far as baseball is concerned, unless you're a Yankee or a Tampa Bay player. Those things got a little out of hand and Garrett Cole's getting roughed up, but we are not going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, first jobs. I've got a question that I'm going to sneak in there on Tuttle in Blum's Blast, just because I'm kind of curious and it's popped up on Twitter and it kind of fascinated me a little bit. It's like, you know, is, hot do- is a hot dog a sandwich? It's something similar along that line. But uh, we'll have What'll Tuttle Say, and, uh, you know, we'll have Blum's Blast. And, of course, we appreciate everybody watching on the Social Nostra Network on YouTube. Uh, You can always go to bleacherblums.socialnostra.com to be able to find uh, the video version of this podcast. And, of course, we are bleacherblums.com, and you can find a link to all of the audio podcasts you can handle, archives, and current episodes and we appreciate everybody who is listening and doing a great job it's good to see you representing the t-shirt because we have plenty of t-shirts still on our uh, website bleacherblums.com and you can also go to crushcitytees.com the other one was for the h.com i think that is out there too and uh, i've got a care package buddy i've got a care package coming your way with some product because we may have some big news next week but I also have a couple of hats that uh, Crush City Tees has sent to me as a little bit of a demo, and they look pretty good. Nice. Uh, so I'll be looking for that. Uh, but Tuttle, man, how are things going out there in the Tuttle household? Uh, they're going really well. Blummer, man, great lead-in. You're getting good at this hosting thing. I, uh, yeah, things are going well. We talked a little bit off-air. Um, the kids are kind of anxious to get back in school, and as <laughs> a uh, – I don't know. As a parent, I'm eager to get them into school. It's funny. The question du jour is like, hey, you know, when they let kids back in school, are you sending your kids back to school? And my answer is like, yes, absolutely. And then I'm like, oh, I should probably tone that down a little bit. We're the same way. We're like, of course. Yeah, we we made it their decision as we're pushing them out the door. Yeah, it's up to you guys. It's Well, you made it their decision as you work from your theater instead of your office, right? Luckily, my office is mobile, I guess, you know. Yeah, right. I got two turntables and a microphone. I can go anywhere. Yeah, hey, I'll move I'll move over here. You guys take up the all Wi-Fi and then stick me in a corner, you know. Dude, that's another thing. Man, I keep getting notifications. Or like, you know, it was a week to go in August. They're like, you are at 75% of your Wi-Fi, you know, bandwidth. I'm like, oh uh, boy. Yeah. It's not <sighs> good. But uh, but anyway, so the kids are supposed to go back to school here at the end of this month, beginning of next. So that's that's a positive thing. The internet will appreciate that. But uh you know, the cases have been dropping here. So again, I think we've said this kind of throughout the podcast. Um, you know, there hasn't been a scientific change yet, right? We don't really have a yeah. vaccine. We don't know if this herd immunity is built, building, but we have seen a plummeting of cases. Um, but maybe that's because of the social distancing. And, um, you know, so that's, I guess that's the, we're trending in the right direction. But of course, based on what happened last time, we get everybody back in school and all of a sudden we could see the cases spike. And then where does that leave us? I have no idea. And then, as you mentioned already, uh, with some of the cancellations of the MLB games, I mean, uh, somebody with the A's entourage tested positive. So we're definitely not out of the woods in terms of that. But I mean, I'm True. eager. Everyone's healthy and happy in our household. As you mentioned, they are in yours. But uh, I'm eager to get them back into school. And I think rightfully so. They're super eager to go back to school. Um, and just a quick, quick, quick thought and maybe a quick uh, uh, exchange because you talked about what happened with the Astros and stick around for Blum's Blast because I got a little bit about uh, what happened between the A's and the Astros. Uh, but, you know, maybe just real quick talking about the playoff scenario because the playoff scenario I think is actually going to unfold and become what they are doing in the NBA where they're going to have two hubs, two bubbles. And they're going to put the National League in one, the American League in one, let them duke it out in the, uh, in the playoffs, and then they'll find a mutual site to play. Because uh, I think you would agree in the sense that there is no home field advantage anymore. It's just whoever gets to hit last is all that matters right now because there's no fans. It doesn't matter the quirks of your ballpark. I mean, maybe sleeping in your own bed is a better thing, but I don't feel like there's an actual on-field home field advantage. 
But uh, thoughts on having two bubbles for the National League and American League uh, because the NBA and the NHL have done such a good job at it that they're going to steal that model? Um, I like them stealing the model. Uh, you know, so stealing somebody's model, like mimicry is what the sincerest form of flattery, but being able to do That's it. Kinda I, mean, like, I think It's kind of like the Rangers stadium looks like Minute Maid Park, but we there call it Mimic Maid Park. Just ah. saying. No, I'm with you. Mimic Maid Park, right? M- mimicry is the sincerest form of flattery. The problem is the implementation, right? The actual way to get it done. And I think the NBA is a little smaller group and they've done it well. Um, You know, we've seen what happened to the Miami Marlins, the St. Louis Cardinals, a couple other squads that, you know, once it got in there. Because you go from 12 and then you double the size of the team. I mean, that's a lot more of an issue. Yeah. And, you know, and if the testing and the protocols and all those things, so, you know, on its face, absolutely. It's the right thing to do because as you mentioned, the NHL and the NBA have had success doing it. So I think it'll be cool. And I think in some ways, I don't know about from the players, but from a fan's perspective, maybe having them all kind of in one area with no home field advantage, uh, you know, gives it a little more of that, like March madness kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just that, yeah, we're all here. And I mean, if you could go see the games, it'd be cool to have that. We talked about it before, Gosh, um, you know, having a site in Arizona and a site in Florida and being able to go to those games, mm-hmm. even as a broadcaster would be a lot of fun because you could, you know, broadcast your game and then watch two other games or something. That would like be that outstanding. Too. Well, yeah, it would be I don't like, think that's going to happen though. Yeah, I know, but it would be it's, it would be very similar to the World Baseball Classic. You know, that's basically how it sounds that they're going to try and do it as far as that tournament style. But to Tuttle's point, it would be amazing to be able to sit in the ballpark and have and, and have the A's Astros go at it, and then all of a sudden, a half an hour later, you've got the Indians and White Sox going at it. I mean, you, it would be awesome to see that many good teams playing good baseball. Hopefully in that short amount of time in one place. But, uh, you know, that that's the uniqueness of 2020 that we've got right now. Yeah. No, you mentioned me wearing our uh, Crush Shitty tee here, this Bleacher Blums. I wore this Luck of the Irish shirt because, uh, as we've talked about extensively since February, March, when we said, could this be the worst year ever? I mean, we're just – this year we're not – we're in, We called you know, it early. Yeah, we called it early, and now we still have about three and a half, four months to go. So we're uh, – you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a limp to the finish. So hopefully we do have some things, you know, the NFL's coming up. We have, you know, major league baseball playoffs coming up. I can't believe, I guess the thing that stands out to me is we're more than halfway through the baseball season. When we talked about this is going to be a sprint. I mean, what are we at 32 to 34 games or are we? So this is Wednesday. We record this on Wednesday. So tonight's game between the Rangers and Astros will be both teams 35th game. Dude, 25 games to go. Like, here <laughs> we go. unbelievable. Like, I mean, and as we joked about um, before the season started, hey, the Padres are tied for first with 60 games to go, but look what they're doing. They actually are Ooh. really in first place. And they're, you know, good young team. They made some moves at the trade deadline. I mean, they're looking really good. And it was a joke at the beginning, but man, <laughs> hey, there's some teams. I, I looked at the standings last night. I hadn't looked at the standings all year. Even like third and fourth place in the American or National League West, like the Cardinals, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, the Rockies and the Giants down there, you know, the mm-hmm. Dodgers are up top. And then you look at the Rockies, the Giants and the Diamondbacks. The Giants haven't done that well. I think they were like five games out or four games out. It's crazy, like, isn't it? Yeah, everybody's in the hunt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. And you freak out and go on a run or beat some of those teams when they're faltering a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're right back in it. And I think that's, to your point, I think that's where the uh, Padres were at. They knew they had a good, young, talented team, but they exploded. Everybody's on fire. They're getting big hits. And then they said – and then A.J. Preller, I'm sure, in the last year of his contract went, I'm going for it. And he just basically sold out and said, 2020 is the year. I think it's kind of yeah. funny to see. There was a quote he said, we knew, we, we targeted 2020 as the year. Dude, yeah, ain't right. nobody targeted yeah. 2020 for nothing, man. <laughs> if, if he had said, if he had said, I knew, I knew 2020 would have a, be a 60 game season. And so this is what <laughs> we were go. doing. Then you'd be like, all right, now that guy knows something that we don't know. But yeah. yeah, we targeted this year. Nobody knew this year. I thought it was interesting. And I really liked that we didn't prep this podcast. We talked about a couple different things um, prior, but none of this was on there is that um, we talked about the Indian scenario way back when, uh, when those guys broke the bubble, uh, Plesak and Clevenger and look yeah. who got moved. Now, 
that's actually a good thing. Like he hasn't broken any trust in the Padres clubhouse. I'm sure he feels remorseful. I'm sure he feels mm -hmm. something, but man, the Padres, that's, if you're going to get a guy like that, that's how you do it. He's, he was off, yeah. he was on the blacklist or the shit list over there. <laughs> hey, let's trade for him, get him over here. And you know what? He's got a new scenario. He wants to make it up probably to the, you know, you would hope he has a conscience and he wants to make it up to, uh, Mm -hmm. to his old team and his new team. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, I mean, the, the Padres are, yeah. I think, for real. And the flip to that is, um, and I'm sure you read this as well, but I read an article in The Athletic regarding the Astros and, and uh, Jim Click or James Click not making a move at all. Yeah. And I actually defend him not making a move. I, I kind of truth There's ways to the to argument, that. but I just didn't know what, what the kind of the buzz was around Houston and what, they, what you thought. Um, you know, you know what? Off the record, Jeff, what yeah. you thought about? Yeah. As, as a podcaster, I can opine yeah, on this. But, you do. know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I talked about this on, uh, on the Astros broadcaster happy hour talking about, you know, what, you know, as a, in the clubhouse, when do you feel like the trade was necessary or a trade is necessary? And when do you feel like it's not? And, you know, take Randy Johnson trade in 1998. That's a blockbuster. That is going to make your team better, and you know it for a fact, not only on the field but in the clubhouse because you're going to be fired up. Uh, the Justin Verlander trade is another one where you get a, a huge upgrade in a guy like that, and he changes. He has an impact. But if you have a lateral move and you make a trade just to say you made a trade, then all of a sudden your clubhouse is kind of looking around going, man, why we trade away one of my boys to get this guy? And all of a sudden you're frustrated in the clubhouse and things kind of, you know, you're messing out. with the chemistry is what yeah. you're saying more than anything. Yeah. And the Astro situation is a little bit different for me too, because if you look at who's on the injured list, you can actually say that you have some maybe late season acquisitions if they get healthy and can, can come back and contribute. There I you go. Wrote, I just you wrote down my list there. while you were talking, and this is kind of why I agreed with it. So finish yeah. your point. I'm sorry. I just So you've got – I think you, I saw Peacock on there. I saw mm -hmm. Verlander on there. Mm -hmm. Jose Urquidy's another guy that's almost stretched out to give you mm -hmm. maybe four or five innings. And what that, what that does – and even if Urquidy can give you just three innings, if Peacock can only give you an inning, if Chris Davinsky can give you an inning, and then Verlander gives you five or six and he works himself back into shape – all of a sudden you've got depth because you've got some good young talent that has proven itself. And then you have other guys that need seasoning. So you're going to, it's easy to choose who stays, who goes and who to replace and get back. So you bolster your bullpen, you bolster your rotation. And then, Oh yeah. Remember that guy, Alex Bregman, he had a hamstring strain. If he comes back with maybe 20 games to go, he's going on this next road trip. There's the potential that on this next road trip, he plays for the Astros, and there you go again. You have a Ledmus Diaz back, and all of a sudden, you're all you, by the end of the season with 15 games to go into the playoffs, you're going, hey, we're at full strength, and that's actually some of the acquisitions they're looking forward to. Exactly. Uh, Osuna, is he out for the year? Or is he? I haven't um, heard. You know what? Okay. I think he got a second opinion, but I know that he is down there working out, trying to do enough to maybe come back for this season because he's in an interesting situation. If he gets cut on – He's going to miss next year and become mm -hmm. a free agent after that. So oh, I don't right. know, you know, there, there's yeah. some contractual and timing issues with that. Of course there are, but he, I put him on my list. So the names I wrote down really quickly. But he's a big were, loss. Yeah, and if you of could get that back, wow. Right. But I wrote down uh, Peacock, Verlander, Osuna, Bregman, uh, Diaz, Aledmus Diaz, Altuve, mm -hmm. Springer. They're on a side, but I'll tell you about them in a second. And then Urquidy and Javier. I like where you're going with that. Christian yeah. Javier, right? So Urquidy and Christian Javier, who is, yes, yeah, stretched out. And the statistics are now saying, hey, two times through the orders, good for him. Well, great. Yep. You, can have, um, you can have your uh, crazy guy, right? So you can get Verl Verlander back. You can have some of the young mm -hmm. guys in. Javier can actually go to the bullpen for a short series or a long series. He can be your long man. He can Urquidy. back somebody up, yeah. Exactly. And so now you have those pins. And the article touched on that. So like I said, I agreed with it most. So it's interesting to say – you know, I don't know if it's uh, clickbait, but they basically said, you know, James Click didn't make any moves. Is it the right move or something <laughs> like that? And it's like, you know what? Only time will tell. But the reason I put Altuve and Springer on, I mean, look, you have Bregman. You you hit on this. It's, do you want to trade away a guy? Wait, uh, Altuve is hitting 220. Let's trade him away and get who to put in that spot. Like, this guy's a proven all-star. And now you have Bregman and Correa. I mean, these are world champions. Bregman, Correa, Altuve, Springer. Um, Aledmus Diaz is a great utility guy. And now Tucker, who oh, yeah. um, is leading the, you know, major leagues and, uh, you know, RBIs and triples and things like that. I mean, it's like, 
now, I mean, who could you trade if, you know, what are you going to do trade for somebody, you know, to, to fill George Springer's shoes? I mean, it doesn't work like that. He's a MVP and he can go on a hot streak like anybody else. So you can't keep a good man down. The other team should be more fearful. And I sound very pro Astros here because, you know, because George Springer and uh, Jose Altuve haven't been themselves. So watch out when they Mm -hmm. become themselves. And I think, um, you know, it, it was a little bit of a leading question to set you up, but I think, gosh, it's a great I mean, one, Verlander, Peacock, um, you know, Bregman for sure. Maybe as soon if he wants to just go for it this year, that True. rehab, like go for it thing. Like you said, that's, you know, yeah, but I mean, do you dicey, go to but... your blow kind of thing? Like it's a strange. Yeah. So does he sit down and let it rest and heal up or does he just go until it blows out, then fix it and come back after that? I mean, oh yeah, no, no. I mean, from a personal standpoint, <laughs> if he wants to win the world, like, Hey, yeah, I can true. get it healthy. If I, my velos up and I'm good, I'm throwing 95, 96, even though it hurts a little bit, I can make it through a short series or a couple series. Yeah, That's a good point. Then get cut on, then become a free agent. That's fine. But again, that, that kind of goes to a deeper question that we've talked about before, which is the heart of the guy, right? Yeah. How important is it to him to be a part of the Astros team and help them win? Or mm-hmm. is it more important to him to like, if I get cut tomorrow, then I'll be a free agent by that year and I'll be ready to go and make, you know, make some money mm-hmm. then. And I, I just don't know what kind of teammate he is. I'm sure most of these guys are torn or there's somewhere in between, right? It has to do with how serious the medical is yeah. with, you know, what, what, what he's going to give up, right? That you always mm-hmm. hear that before. If, if you're going to have knee surgery anyway, at the end of the year and you can tough it out, then, you know, go for it. But I think sometimes the, uh, the pitching arm's a little bit different. That was a good spiral out of control right there. I like it because the trade deadline actually came and passed. And I'm glad that you hit on the Padres who made a move, a strong move in a short season where they know they've got they've to get as more bang for their buck in a short season. And then explaining how the Astros can get away with not having to get rid of some of their young arms or some of their young talent in order to try and fight through this season when they know that some of these guys are injured, but they're not permanently injured. You know, there's the opportunity that they might come back. So I think that's a unique look at it. But one thing all these guys have in common is they're in the big leagues. They've got big league paychecks. They don't need an off season job, man. They probably had jobs in the past, but that's where, uh, you know, some people perked up a little bit and were kind of fascinated by the, the conversation of first jobs, because I have a daughter now that we talked about last episode uh, when my, my, my wife was coming in and making copies and uh, you know, she, she's getting a job and it kind of, we really briefly talked about it, but uh, I figured we'd go into a little in depth about our first jobs just because it's entertaining and it gives you an mm-hmm. idea of our background, but also I want to talk to you and, and ask you later on uh, is, did you have an off season job? Cause I had several off season jobs uh, when I was still playing baseball, but first what is Tuttle's first job ever? Um, First real job, meaning hired out, right? Like I yeah, started my own like, lawn mowing. Yeah. yeah. So, and so it's exactly what I said last time, which is great. So if nobody heard it, I'll repeat it. And then I have, I actually have some good stories around the other jobs. My first job was <laughs> a, a, a grocery store bagger. I was 15 and a half or 16, uh, a grocery store bagger at Alpha Beta Grocery Store. Um, which doesn't exist anymore, but you know, so it's great. part of that long line of uh, like Vons or whatever else. Somebody kept uh, buying Safeway. Somebody yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Buying. And then, but I think one of the stories I touched on last time was that the manager, like my first week made me shake the salad dressings. So we're, <laughs> we're repeating ourselves, but he's like, Hey, you know where the oil and the vinegar separates? Like we got to market that better because you don't want, so you're down there like shaking the salad, get those and put them on the, and then by the time you shake five of them, you're like, it's separating again. Oh, hey, you're like, so the other job they had us do for the newbies, there was always a couple new hires. They were always high school kids is there's the parking lot in front of the grocery store, which is always pretty significantly big. So you're out there collecting carts. There's a bus stop way out in front. And they're like, all right, you got to go sweep that sidewalk, like way out there. This is what it's still, I mean, you're out there like on the main drag, like sweeping the sidewalk. I mean, all like, your buddies going back and forth. Yeah. yeah where did that tunnel guy go? He's like, I'm out in the parking. Like, I mean, I'm nowhere near the store. Like four I'm, acres away. Yeah. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing an apron or a smock and yeah, you no, know, there were some challenges and you mentioned your first job, but I, I don't know if you have a, another story around that. Your first job was actually working in baseball, right? At a batting cage or something. Yeah, I was lucky in uh, Chino where I was going to high school and, uh, you know, and lived during high school is somebody decided to go out there and make an indoor batting cage, which was uh, a great and 
uh, you know, obviously when you're opening something up like that, you go to the local high school and see, you know, Hey, does anybody want a job kind of thing? And, uh, the owner of it knew my dad and my dad introduced me and I went over there and this guy gave me the keys to the castle, man, because I don't know why, but he would open it and then give me the key to close it. I don't, man, I, I guess it went okay because the business was still going when I left it, but, but I'm sitting there going, man, this dude just gave me the keys and I, I'm like locking up and I'm putting cash, like, you know, in a weird drawer and a, you know, a little like master lock key. So I'm like, Hey, as long as he gets his money and he ain't yelling at me, we're good. That's but the right. funny thing was, is that it had about seven tunnels and it had a couple of little league and slow and uh, fast pitch softball ones. And they ran with those jug machines with the two wheels, you know, spinning mm-hmm. it, oh, yeah. it, you know, fire those them are out. wicked. You better watch out for those things that you put those wiffle nuts. balls in there. Those little uh, yellow balls. Yes. Those things, those didn't always have a good, yeah, they weren't quite on the, so. Well, and then if you put them through there enough and they get hit around, they start to lose the uh, dimple effect on them. And all of a sudden, man, yeah, good luck with yeah. that. You start wearing a couple of them. Yeah. But uh, they were all brick dust. So you could actually like dig in with cleats and hit. Dude, I had to rake those things and uh, pack in the batter's box every single night. Oh, and I mean, my shoes turned red, my hands turned red. I was breathing in brick dust. I mean, it was it was a hazard. But um, I'm sure oh, there are a lot of listeners boohooing for you. Yeah, now, they're like, you know, poor Jeff. This is the story of our college life. You know, people talk about hazing. Like <laughs> there was some hazing back then, but we don't have to get into the real hazing. But man, freshmen. We had to, like, you know how many bullpen mounds and, like, the game mounds and stuff I had to fix? Like, where's the clay? Get the thing. Get the tamper in your tamping. Every practice, every night, Mm -hmm. you know, you practice from 3 in the afternoon till 6 at night. You want to just get to the mess hall and you're out there, like, come on, rookies. Come on, freshmen. Like, get in there. Yeah. yeah. So, I I spent plenty of time, like, packing mud, packing the dirt and making it look nice. And as you said, it's kind of like doing the dishes now as an adult. You know, you do the dishes, the kitchen's all clean. You come down in the morning and there's like nine cereal bowls there. And How you're does like, that what? happen every single time? I just finished it. So you would, do it. you would sweep the brick dust, pack it down, and then you would come in later the afternoon after school and yeah. be like, what, what happened? Like, Dude, like my a work couple is... of rhinos came through here yeah. just digging holes, man. I'm like, what the yeah. heck? Yeah. But the one, the one fringe benefit was, though, if it was a slow day or a certain, you know, weekday and uh, during the summer and all these teams were in playing and I was working, guess who got to hit? Yeah. So I got, I got free hitting as much as I want. So that was one of the side bonuses that I got to go hit as often as I wanted. You, I mean that you owe that guy a lot, don't you? I mean, geez, well, like I was okay. Know. I wasn't great. I'm not going to give him like, you know, 30% of my like $3 million of career earnings, dude. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm just saying, kids. you know, when that, when you get up on that podium and you make speeches, you know, you do a lot of speeches to kids. You're like, Hey, I want to remember his name. I just oh, remember the yeah. name of the batting cage. It was called Extra Innings Batting Cage. Uh, and it's not man. there anymore, apparently. you gotta, you got to hunt the guy down and find him. I know, him. seriously. I, I hope he didn't go out of business because of me. But. <laughs> <laughs> because of you. Because you all the free baseball. I, I will say this about the jobs, too. I mean, my favorite job, and it actually has spawned my coffee passion, um, was a barista. I worked at a local no coffee shop. And that was my favorite off-season job. That's where I learned how to make cappuccinos. That's and, why you know so um, much about it, though. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I learned how to clean those big, like, you know, the 10 really? espresso. Like, yeah, they're, most of those are self-cleaning. Okay. But I learned a lot about coffee. And I would say, and maybe other minor leaguers, similar to our alias book that I want to write, we should write a book about jobs. I feel like, this is me personally now. Please, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, forgive me. I feel like... Forrest Gump. I mean, I've had every friggin' job. Remember Forrest Gump? He's like, yes. he was a punt returner on the Alabama football team. He learned how to shrimp here. You know, he ran all ping over, pong. you know. Yeah, I mean, ping pong, like shrimp that boat. guy, he met every president for like the, yeah. you know, decades. I, I, I haven't met all the presidents, but I do. I feel in a way like for, I mean, you name it, I feel like I've done it, man. I, I've yeah. done those or you've jobs. you've at least tried it. Yeah. Yeah, because we needed a job. It's like, hey, yeah, I worked at a baseball place giving pitching lessons. I would go down to the field. I printed out flyers. I worked as a coffee barista, which like still serves me well today. I worked as a, you know, a grocery store bagger, um, which nowadays comes in handy because you got to bag your own friggin' groceries. Yeah, so guess what? That skill worked out well. I got to get I mowed my own lawn. So when I go talk to my oh. landscaper now, I know exactly what to, what to look for. So, I mean, Dude. don't you feel a little bit like Forrest Gump? That could, you didn't just do baseball jobs in the offseason, did you? Oh, God, no, no. I, it, you rattled off some good ones. And, it, you know, it's funny. I, did, I didn't, never did the grocery store uh, bagging or working at grocery store, but I got into retail. You know, I worked at, like, PacSun. Yeah. I worked at uh, a Gap. I worked at a, you know, a, oh, man, I can't remember the name of their sh- 
there was a sporting goods store in Northern California that was popular, but I can't remember it right now for the life of me. But I was, me and another dude were in the back doing inventory. And I mean, Sports Chalet or something like that. It might have been Sports Chalet, actually. I don't know how the hell you remember that. I know you're a NorCal guy, but uh, that's a strong pull. But we would be in the back of this place and we would handle, like, the big rig would show up. Oh, yeah. And they'd be like, you know, Blum and and Sammy go up there and empty it up. We're like, dude. The yeah. only cool thing was that it was kind of like sunk down. So there was a ramp that we had to come down that uh, you could, it was the width of a pallet. So if they put the pallet on there, you could literally surf this thing for about 50, 60 oh, feet. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it lended itself to some interesting <laughs> challenges to say the least. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like the only good thing about the job is, yeah, I got like free glove oil or something like that. Yeah, You're talking about crap. No, I know. I'm kidding. But the, but yeah. what you're saying has nothing to do with the job. The only no. the only good thing about the job had nothing to do with the job. It had to do with like we could go crazy in the back and try and yeah, surf I could, down I could go pallet surfing every once without, in a while without breaking a finger before pr- baseball That's practice true. or something, right? And yeah, that, you know, I mean, the career could have ended back there. And how do yeah. you explain that? Well, well, Skip, you know, yeah. over the off season, I was pallet surfing. Yeah, we we talked about um, Bobby Jones last time or whatever. We were joking yeah. about some of these guys I played with, and now you know, obviously a former uh, longtime big leaguer, but those guys played with us in Alaska and the two guys from Fresno state wanted to bunk together. So Bobby Jones and a guy named Tim Caustic. Hello, Tim, if you're out there, um, both those guys got, um, like I knew my second year going up to Alaska, we're talking about all these jobs we have to do. Um, I got like, go to the field at 11 AM and pick up like the popcorn bins and the beer cans and get the blower out. And it was like, all right, mm-hmm. you know, so we were working, but we were getting overpaid for the work we did for our summer job. Bobby Jones and Tim Costic <laughs> got a job detailing cars at a car dealership. Dude, they would show up like BP oh. time at three in the afternoon, like sweating bullets. Like Bobby's like, my shoulders, I had to like, I had to towel off some of my left arm. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi worked Yeah, out. like, dude, he was beat. Those guys were beat down. They're like, yeah, we did 10 cars today. They were detailing like, or they would have to, you know, you've seen car lots where they have that sprayer too, where they yeah. weren't necessarily doing a high polished detail, but you show up in the morning, there's dust on the cars. They had to like clean all the cars at the dealership in Anchorage. And I'm like, so Bobby, he was a starting pitcher. Um, he would opt out on the days he had to pitch. So he worked like three or four days a week, but on the day he had to pitch, it was too hard to labor. It was like, Hey, I can't pitch and go. So, I mean, like any job you can think of it, you know, I was, Oh, I also did, um, like valet stuff at the hotel. Anyway, we could make all these jobs. So I hated that. It was like bad guy, like, and it was Mm -hmm. kind of a divey hotel. Don't so, worry. you know, you're at the, yeah, the motel eight and they're like, all right, this guy needs his bag. So his and you're like, oh, great. Like, not this guy. Like, <laughs> anyway, that's more than one job. Yeah. It was a good experience. One of the toughest jobs I had was uh, with UPS. I would go in from like nine to two in the morning, 9 PM to two in the morning. And uh, they would, I would get in the back of one of those big rigs, one of those semi trailers. Mm-hmm. And I would start building walls with boxes. I mean, it was the ultimate Tetris job. So, I mean, at least it kind of kept you going. But they would bring this conveyor belt into the back of the truck and it would just start. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I'm like, and guess what I'm supposed to be doing while I'm doing this? Making sure it's going to the right place. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I don't know. So I apologize to everybody at UPS for that, you know, getting your Well, that always out. reminds me of the, uh, like, man, any job with the back of a big rig, Blum, you're good at. You're going to either do the hey, unloading physical, of sporting physical goods. labor is one thing I could do, man. Unloading the sporting goods from oh. the big rig or putting the UPS boxes in the big rig. You just you just worked in this little space, this little uh, rectangular space. Yeah, not many um, people around me either. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but the... Uh, but the funny part about that, the box, the Tetris thing, I mean, it makes me think of all those, like, like when you see Mike Rowe on the Dirty Job Show, where they're mm-hmm. like, you know, you got to fold it this way, and it's got to be perfect this way, and then it just keeps coming, and you're, like, mm-hmm. going, and you're going, like, you realize how skilled, I mean, maybe it's monotonous, but how skilled some of those folks get at actually yep. doing the job, because, <laughs> you know, you're like, hey, stop that thing, you need an emergency stop button every time. <laughs> 20 like, second time yeah, out. Yeah, hey, 20, <laughs> that's right. So, anyway. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So that, that was fun to revisit. I've actually, uh, one of these podcasts too, I'll, I'll, I've got to tell the story about when I, my brother and I were an extra on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah. That's yeah right. I'll tease that because I've actually like have that. video of it. 
And cool. it's, it's interesting to say the yeah. least. The social Noster network could uh, put a snippet on our, uh, on our yeah. channel and we'll have to be out. able to figure that out, yeah. but that's going to do it. I mean, I'd love talking and reminiscing about that because as, as tough as those times were and the choices you had to make just to sustain yourself during the off season, when you're making, you know, $800 a month playing, if you're lucky, you'd be playing baseball. $800 a month times six, not times 12 people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? For six, six months, months that you're playing. Right. You know, you do the math. The other way. <laughs> or lack of math because there wasn't any money involved in it. But right. uh, that was a lot of fun to reminisce. What'll Tuttle say, man? What do we got? Oh, what'll Tuttle say? Nice. Um, yeah, what'll Tuttle say today is a little uh, less nitpicky and a little more, I don't know if it's controversial. I read an article again on The Athletic on the athletic by Joe Posnanski. I'm not sure if you read it, but it was talking about the Hawkeye technology. So please Ooh. forgive me, listeners. We're going to talk a little tennis first. So tennis has had the, uh, the line technology for a long time. And now with COVID, they actually are running a few tournaments. I'm not sure you're aware of this plumber, but they're running tournaments without the uh, ball boys and ball girls and the line judges. So they basically oh, wow. have a chair, a chair judge, and everything's electronic. Every call is electronic. So in or out. Um, who's chasing and, down the Aaron, goal, I mean, Aaron uh, tennis balls, man? Well, you know, I guess the, I guess the guys, right? I don't know. That, I Dang, don't know. That's crazy. I, that's, that's a that great a, question. I didn't even think about that. I'm reading the article. And I, hey, they're getting rid of the. That was the most so, entertaining part. Like when that one dude goes thump into the back yeah, of the wall and right. slip. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. I think they're trying to, um, I guess, just eliminate the number of people. Maybe there is yeah. a ball person, but again, this is that bubble. So they, if they have one ball fetcher, two ball fetchers, um, and then, you know, one chair judge or one, you know, over, yeah. um, I guess, head judge, then you don't have to worry about it. And the way that um, Joe Posnanski played this out is he said all right baseball get ready here it comes because mm -hmm. look at how well this technology works i guess it takes photos right that's how it creates a 3d image it takes photos from a zillion different cameras a zillion different angles and shows exactly how it but i completely disagreed with his premise at the end because i think similar to the way soccer doesn't have a you know soccer does not have um you know, time stoppages, right? They just run the clock, whereas football has clock and stops every, you know, every time there's a timeout or if you get out of bounds or anything like that. Um, incomplete pass. I mean, you can name it. That's so different. Soccer, the idea is to keep the clock running, even though they have extra time and they have a, so baseball, yeah, there's no clock, but you know, tennis is very different. And so, yeah, you can use that technology to say, Hey, yeah, that ball was out. Um, or yeah, that ball was in great. And we'll keep moving because now I can serve and we have the, I again will default to this and I'm hoping that you have some insight and maybe some uh, variables or points that I'm missing. He says, watch out baseball because the umpires will not become obsolete, but they're archaic in this realm, just like judges are in tennis because, you know, balls and strikes, every, pro, every um, broadcast that we watch has the little rectangle and it has this. The difference in baseball is it means so much. It means so much. Meaning if it's a three, two pitch, um, that gets away from the catcher or it's a swinging strike, a one, two, and there's nobody on first and you sprint your ass down to first, you know, the catcher's hustling back over there. He throws it. This whole play happens. You can't go back and relive that. You can say, okay, come back here. It doesn't work. But again, we said this before three, two pitch down the middle strike three, the world series is over guys tearing their shirts off. They're on the mound, da, 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 you know, and they get crazy. And then they're like, no, 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 sorry. That ball was outside ball four, you know, the, the, Oh, wait a second. I mean, could you imagine? You, yeah. You're not going back to do the serve. Like this isn't like, did you fault or did you double fault? This is mm -hmm. the game is in progress. And I know people think baseball is slow and baseball can work like, you know, Oh yeah, that ball was outside. No, the computer had it. So he's saying the computer would just make these calls and that we would accept that. Um, I, I, I just can't see, I don't see where he got the correlation. I do see the technologies there, and I think we've had this technology for a while, but I completely disagree with his conclusion. Um, I like the idea of automating some of it, and we've talked about this. We're at Podcast 85. We've talked about this. What say you, Jeff Blum, and what do they say behind the scenes? You've got to have some, you know, your ear to the ground on what people are saying in general where it's headed. Well, I know that the Hawkeye system is being used in baseball right now, but it's more for pitch tracking, spin rates, location. So they are actually, they're keeping track of the data. And you and I both know that the teams can say, oh, we're just, we just want the data for ourselves. What, what a load. Yes, that's partially. What happened to you, bro? Oh, I just playing with the light. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so what, 
they are collecting the data as a team, but don't fool yourself into thinking that Major League Baseball is not also collecting all of this data because they want to have a strong case of data when they present it as, hey, we're going to move to the electronic system. They want to be able to have that data with you're killing me, dude. <laughs> You're cracking me up with these. I didn't tins. know you could tell. I was just playing uh, with the lights, folks. Uh, sorry about that. I got all special of a effects tan, going on. All of a sudden, yeah, hey, a little bit lighter. Good, yeah. Yeah, seriously, it really sorry. brings out your eyes. Um, <laughs> but you know, sorry. all that. All that being said, you know, the thing about tennis is, is that every court you go to is the same size with the same lines in the same places, and the only thing that changes are the nets, the same height. The only thing that changes are the players. Baseball is a completely different. You can't – that automated strike zone, I don't know if they've been able to make it 100% perfect for every guy that steps to the plate because mm -hmm. it's going to be different for Tuttle when he digs in. It's going to be different for Altuve when he digs in. So do you have that absolutely dialed in? And then the other question is, is are you going to call a strike that catches a seam on the outside corner? Because I guarantee you, if guys have a really good 12 to six breaking ball and I can snap that and catch the bottom of the zone, it'll bounce and still be a strike. Yeah. And that's where you have to kind of figure out, you know, you have to calibrate this appropriately, but yeah, eliminating the human factor from baseball, I think it would be a real mistake because I know that the, if you automated the foul lines or, had some way to do it like they do the Hawkeye because that is if you could do it with the consistent line like the foul lines yes or maybe have it calibrate you know where the home run line is on every ballpark and you could focus in on that and make sure that you know it's a home run maybe do it that on, on something that is a solid you know built structure that won't move because the personality has to be in the game well, and I think that's exactly the right point. I mean, I think that's what the difference is with tennis versus a strike zone. I wish, um, and again, maybe this is the old, well, they never played the game or they never did it this way. I hate, mm -hmm. I hate using that kind of structure, but I think that let's compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. The apples to apples is exactly what you said. The tennis court, the line doesn't move. It's painted on there. In baseball, the foul lines, those are the same, but the human element, I mean, you know, like Joe West, or I always bring up the guy, um, was it Greg? Uh, yeah. Oh, Last yeah. name Greg. Uh, Eric, Greg. Eric, Eric Greg. Eric Greg had you. that yeah, zone for LeVon Hernandez. Like he made LeVon Hernandez like a playoff giant. Like, I mean, and, and, and Glavin would tell you like, Hey, yeah, he knew. So, but that human element, like you knew what was in store as well. And I, I will draw a parallel to this, um, the three batter uh, minimum requirement as we trying to mm -hmm. change some of these rules, the strategy and what you brought up, uh, or what you were brought up as a manager or a player in today's game, that's part of it. That's integral. That's built in. The DH is different. The DH is played in the American League and then not in the National League. And now they're mm -hmm. trying to, you know, that's a little different because it's actually being used in one league. But, you know, trying to take out that human element when it's essential and foundational to how the game has been played for so long. I just think it's not right. I mean, maybe that's, you know, something will change in the long run. But I think you hit on the key point, which is, if we're going to compare the um, uh, the Hawkeye technology in tennis to the one in baseball, let's do it where it's relevant, not the strike zone. And everybody loves to yeah. instantly go to the strike zone and say, hey, we're going to have automation. Let's go to the strike zone. No, no, no. Let's have automation on the home run line, on the foul lines. Let's have automation where it's relevant. But you, I don't think you can have it. Um, I don't think you can have it as a strike zone. And I, I'll be curious to see in my lifetime because it may happen with all the technology and the craziness going on but i just don't see at this point how that can be relevant and how it can be done yeah no i'm with you on that and the the strike zone is one thing that actually does concern me a little bit because of the automation of it and taking that human element out of it um just because there's too many variables i mean yeah. i mean if, if if you're able to manipulate the strike zone, I mean, that baseball is what three or four or five inches wide or whatever it is, three inches. Yeah. That's how much, if this much, you know, if this catches the plate, get, the ball is still almost three inches off the outside corner. And you're like, I can't, how do I compete with that? Right. I can't because it. it's a rigid, you know, it's a rigid 17 inches, but if you catch a corner and half the baseball is off, then you're actually mm -hmm. getting two inches off the outside corner. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's kind of tough. 
you sound like a hitter. I want those two inches off the outside corner. Yeah. And you guys are good enough to be able to yeah. manipulate the movement to get that edge. That's the yeah. problem. No, it is the problem. And I, and that takes me into that my, my old steroid controversy that I joked about is like people would talk about recovery and, you know, all these things that were great for steroids. You could hit the ball hard, uh, farther and throw it faster. That's what I used to say is I felt like I was giving up half the plate. And then mm-hmm. to your point, yeah. how do I compete with that? Right. If I throw the ball inside and you don't care, I'm not scaring you off the plate. Like I can't move you. Well, mm-hmm. then guess what? It doesn't matter if I get two or three inches on the outside corner because you're scooching and scooching you I know, can look you, out there and not worry. Yeah. About you it. can keep looking out there and not worrying about it. So I think what you say is actually relevant in this whole discussion, which is that plate is 17 inches. It's a fixed number. And you know, we all want, command of that pitcher wise Mm -hmm. and hitter wise you want 17 inches you don't want more than that i'm a pitcher i want that 17 inches plus a little more and where where in you know somewhere in the middle there's the truth and how do they do that with technology i just don't see how they can get it done yeah it's a lot of calibrating and a lot of conversations waiting to be had and that's that's it for what'll tuttle say one topic one long topic i got there what do we got for blum's blast there blummer you said you're gonna throw something at me yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm at the end of this. this I've got to snap first. Right. Um, so this week, the Astros walked off the field and they had their own postponement. The A's went with them and politics has made its way and social injustice has made its way onto the field. The players feel they have a platform. They made a decision. We talked about it on this podcast. There's solidarity in all these clubhouses where we're going to stand up together and we made a choice and they did it. Now, I understand that not every, first of all, social media has gotten out of control. I try to keep my best frame of mind to promote the podcast and promote uh, joy, happiness, and baseball. But uh, social media has gotten to be a little bit of a shit show. And with the Astros walking off the field, guess who became an easy target? This guy. And all of a sudden, I started to get all of these political tweets. Now, guess what? Everybody who was bitching and moaning about these baseball teams complaining about the politics being on the field, guess what? I never made it political. I broadcast it and told you about the game that was going on or about the game that wasn't going on. And guess who brought their political opinion to me? So if you don't want baseball to have a political opinion, I don't want your political opinion, (laughs) okay? But it made, me, it made me an easy target, and I, and I couldn't help but laugh because everybody was airing me out. I got the bird. I got the FUs. I got F baseball. I got F the Astros. I got F the – and I couldn't help but sit there and laugh because people actually sent the – push the send button on that. Send that to Major League Baseball, man. I'm not the one making the decision. I've got a job to do, and I did it. If you don't like what they're doing, send it to them. But – Continue to send it because I'll just have a good laugh at it and be like, man, somebody really wasted a couple characters sending that to me. So I thought that was kind of funny. Can you be more specific? What was the So yeah. Oh, Oh, I I missed some of the Twitter storm or whatever. You were saying it was about politics? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, it was about the Astros walking off the field. and Oh, "Oh, right, right, right. I can't believe they did this. They're bringing politics into sports and baseball. They walk off the field, blum, F you, F the Astros, and I'm going, all right, dude, if that makes you feel better. I didn't walk off the field. I was sitting up in the booth ready to roll, man. Yeah. Or in the studio. Well, I didn't take a side. I was like, hey, these guys made a choice. And I tried to explain it as best I could, like we do on our podcast, just try and provide it our opinion yes but a little more of a moderate opinion and a moderate idea and and uh newsworthy type attitude towards it when we tell you about it but i got obliterated julia morales got obliterated and that blew me away it almost i mean it borderline pissed me off to where i was like i'm done i'm done with twitter if people feel that it necessary need to send that um there that you got the problem i don't because you i could care less if you watch me or not i'm still going to broadcast um, the other thing was, we talked about jinxes a while ago, man. What do we say, Tuttle? Jinxes are for the week. Yeah. And somebody hit the send button. Now, here's the other thing. If you hit the send button and I don't like what you said, you're going to get something back. Uh, and especially if I feel strongly enough about it. So somebody's, uh, we had a, a broadcast on Saturday during a double header where we talked about some uh, stadium food that could be delivered just to your house. And uh, TK was delivered touching it to my house. I'll, I mean, I wish I could personally deliver it. I mean, DoorDash, oh. I don't know if they get that far. 
Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, if you have stadium food, I can get a Minute Maid hot dog at my house. That'd be great. That'd be a yeah, pretty... Yeah, some Ryan beef hot dogs. Nice. <laughs> anyway, so, sorry. Uh, TK's touching it. I'm kind of, you know, making a bad joke about the COVID thing, going, hey, man, you're touching it. You can't send it out now, you know, that you, it's contactless, and you're contacting every piece of it. The next day in Oakland, a turns up positive, and the game is postponed. Somebody had the nerve to say that I jinxed that. And you know how I feel about jinxes. And I snapped. I was like, dude, I've taken enough shit this week that I'm not putting up with this right now. So guess what? You're, I'm your target. Guess what? Now you're my target. And I fired back and I said, jinxes are excuses. And I said, now we've reached the pinnacle of stupidity because now you're blaming a broadcaster for a pandemic. And I about lost my mind. And then all of a sudden the person comes back. It's like, oh man, I'm sorry. Just a joke. I'm like, there's no jokes. Don't give me that. If you're gonna if you're gonna send that out, you've got to be ready and prepared. Don't backpedal. Let's let's have the conversation. But that's Blum's blast. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad you didn't have to see any of it because I kind of showed a little bit of it to my daughters to be like, this is social media. Yeah. As cool as my job is, you know, th- these people are out there. That's and I use that to warn them for, you know, high school social media. It's pretty bad too. Future reference. You know, what's interesting about that whole thing is um, my wife has a, a funny thing about context with text in general. So yeah, I think you mentioned that that person said, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I was just kind of, you know, I was trying to see if you're paying attention or, you know, I was joking <laughs> right. or whatever. You got to say that at the beginning. <clears throat> I laugh if my neighbor might text our, our um, or my wife might text the neighbor something about, you know, whatever. Um, and you get an okay back like, okay. And my wife's like, oh, they just, they just said, okay. Like, what does that mean? Like, uh, do you think they have, there's some animosity there? Like maybe they're just okay. Like they're, they don't have time for us. I'm like, no, they're just saying, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, there is this point, as you said, social media gets out of hand and context is everything. everything. And with social media and characters, you don't get context. So mm-hmm. to your point, you have to be a little more creative and a little more articulate and certainly a little more thoughtful about how you're going to present yourself because you know, context is everything. We've seen a ton of people get in big trouble for sending uh, lesser things than they sent to you. And I think you're yeah. right. I mean, you're not, you know, you're just one man. You're allowed to say your opinion. You have a job to do. And I, I always kind of use the analogy of, um, you know, if you don't like what's music on the radio, what do you do? You turn the radio, right? So you don't have to. You don't have you to tell the I'm, DJ. That's right. <laughs> call the DJ and, you know, call the radio station. Listen, you're an MFR. Play that. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you know, I don't even choose the playlist. They just tell me what to play. So guess what? ACDC <laughs> black and black is next folks. I'm sorry if you don't like the music yep. change the station, but I think, you know, I always find it funny and I don't know if it's the old man thing, but instead of just turning the channel and ignoring what's going on in the periphery, it's like, we have to let everybody know that we're upset with that thing. And it's like, that yes. takes so much more energy. Like, I don't, God. you know what? I don't like the Astros broadcast. The broadcast team wears me out. That Blummer guy, he's annoying. I'm just going to mute it and listen to, uh, you know, to the radio broadcast. I really like those guys now. I don't mind it. Obviously joking. But everybody has an opinion and um, you don't have to share it on social media if you have one. You don't have to share it with me. Just fire it out into space. Why (laughs) does that have to be directed at me? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you're you're entitled to your opinion, um, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's not stupid, right? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, so yeah, there's a lot of stupidity out there. Anyways, we'll, we'll get off that. Um, end this podcast on a great note and a very tough question for Tuttle. Oh, nice. Because I'm kind of curious to, to know what you think. Do you like chicken wings? Ooh, I think I just, I retweeted some of this today. Uh, I uh, do that like, might've been why I bring this uh, up. There you go. I do so like chicken wings. We all love chicken wings. Yes, we do. Do you believe there is such a thing as a boneless chicken wing? I do not. Yes, my boy. I, I knew it. Jeff Schwartz <laughs> tweeted that out. I think with that's what made credit. me think of it. I retweeted man. it. The funniest part about that, and we should have Kevin put that <laughs> up on the social Noster network. Um, that guy was serious, dead serious. You saw that guy <laughs> presenting a, that to the city council. Yeah. That was my favorite. And he's like, "Who's laughing? Who's laughing at this? Isn't funny? I'm this sorry, is this my. Is I have my platform. And I, yeah, no." it's not a boneless chicken wing. I mean, you know, it's either, it's it's a chicken nugget or a chicken Uh tender. And then a chicken wing has the bone in it. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. We agree again. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we also, oh, so that was going to be the high note we left on. And I appreciate you agreeing with me, but you know, we have, we had a divorce earlier in our podcast ah, career. We have another one. No, that's right. We did. Yeah. We were breaking up the uh, Bleacher Blums uh, football, fantasy football team and we're yeah. going our separate ways. We took home, did we take home the championship or did we lose in the championship? We lost in the championship game in our first year. So yeah, this so year, I'm, one I'm of us has to make way. it back. Yeah. We're going solo. We're breaking up. Yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts around that. Yeah. So we are, we didn't articulate it well, but Blummer and I, who were a pair in our fantasy football league last year, we ran the team together. I thought we did a fantastic job. We did not bring home, we did not bring home the cup and that maybe caused some tension in our relationship from a fantasy football perspective, but we're going to be separate this year. But what I'm finding is it's going to be weird. I haven't done any fantasy football research. Every time no. I get on my, my app, like the score app or my ESPN app, it says, you know, the hall of fame game canceled football, canceled football, canceled. <sighs> I haven't even had the heart to watch um, hard knocks, which I typically like. And I think hard knocks started for both the LA teams. Yeah. Is that right? The Raiders yeah, right. and the chargers or no, mm-hmm. is it the Raiders or no? Is it oh no, L- no Rams and chargers, Rams Sorry. and chargers, both the LA yeah. teams. That's right. Raiders were last year. The other LA team, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the other LA team. Which that's right. See, I'm confused already. Is Jim Plunkett the quarterback still? Oh yeah. Marcus hand it off to Marcus Allen. Yeah, come on. And Ken Stabler was back there and John Madden. I'm confused. Anyway, we're dating ourselves. But uh but yeah, so I'm actually uncertain about how the fantasy football year is going to shape up just as a fan and a fanatic of the NFL, like we all are. But this year I'm running my own team. And I'm going to go head to head with you and try and bring home the championship that we couldn't do together. I know we got to bring it. We're going to have to get, uh, I, I think the biggest concern for me now is picking at a team name. <laughs> That's right. Bleacher Blums was so easy. Yeah, it was easy yeah. and it was a team effort. So now I'm yeah. going to be like the not Tuttles. Oh yeah. The not Tuttles. Yeah. The <laughs> not Blums. I, how about that? that? That's there we go. We've decided our team names. That's what we're going to do. Keep um, it simple. Yeah. In our league though, which is funny, there are more, there's more than one Tuttle and there's actually more than one Jeff G E O. I know there's two so, G offs and two Tuttles. Who would have thought? What the? And I we mean, don't know the guys. So now they're famous. Uh, anyway, it's yeah. going to be a weird year. Um, if you want some insight just for the team name, not for your drafting strategy, I usually Google funny stuff after I've drafted a team and there's mm-hmm. always really funny stuff. I try and so keep many it clever clean, people, but there's so many clever, you know, there's yeah. like, yeah. So when you get a, a key guy on your team, um, you know, like I've seen girly, like girly fries or something like that. Right. <laughs> or, you know, something with girly, if you have top yep. girly, of course he's on a new team, but anyway, there's some funny things you can find from a team name perspective, but, It'll be interesting to see how fantasy football goes this year. What 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 say you? Are you excited about the uh, split or just, you know? Um, I'm excited and nervous. You know, now it's on me. I don't have anybody else to blame. Usually yeah. I pass the buck and go, man, Tuttle picked that guy. It wasn't me. You know, no, I loved when we would discuss free agents. I'm like, should we pick up this guy or this guy? And you're like, eh, I don't know. I had this guy and this guy. Let's go with this guy. And then we were both like a little bit like, all right, well, Blummer wanted that guy. I didn't yeah, really exactly. want him. Like, yeah. <laughs> Pass the buck. Uh, so, yeah, I am excited, but I'm also kind of curious to see how the season unfolds for the NFL. I mean, are these guys going to be in the appropriate shape to go play? Are they going to be healthy? Who's going to get COVID? Who's not going to get COVID? I mean, it's so, there's so many variables in this. But uh, part of me just hopes that there is sport. And by the time football does start, that we actually have purpose and direction with uh, what's going on around the country. So that would really help out the efforts, but I, I am looking forward to it. I think it's exciting. It's always fun to talk trash a little bit. Now, when we come on here and we do our don't bet on it segments, we can talk about how good our team is or how bad your team is and stuff like that. So I think it's going to open itself up to a whole nother level of bleacher blondes. I do too. And I just think I do. I'm a little concerned about my lack of interest in the NFL because right now this would be ramping up. I trying to figure it out because there aren't any games and anything to watch. And then you start, um, hate to be Debbie Downer, but now you start looking at how it affected like baseball in general, but certainly mm-hmm. most of our listeners are Astros fans on here. Like Bregman pulled a hamstring and Springer had a wrist injury and Verlander's out and Osuna's out. All the pitchers, and these yeah. guys that thought they were in shape, um, you know, or ready game speed ready. I mean, you and I've touched on that here. Football is much more so like that full <laughs> speed contact, like you got to be ready to go. And I think that's going to be, um, probably the most telling thing for this season, especially if they're going to try and go a 16 game season, we could, we could essentially see a dark horse in the NFL. Yeah. If, uh, if some injuries happen, you know, you're going to have some teams rise to the top and I'm, I'm really curious 
Because I thought, I mean, it was one thing when Joe Montana was old and he went from uh, the Niners to the Chiefs and tried to play a couple more years and everybody seems to kind of do that. But watching Tom Brady in another uniform is going to be really, really interesting. I mean, we know he's the GOAT, but it's going to be really uh, wacky. Yeah. He, he's taking a chance, and so are we splitting things up. But that's going to do it for this episode of Bleacher Blums. Nicely done. Tuttle, do you want to uh, take us out? Um, sure, I can take us out. I would just say, again, as always, a shout-out to the first responders, uh, emergency medical soldiers, military, everybody around the world that uh, makes the world a safer place. Um, we got a nice email from a, a, a podcast listener and a follower this week who is a police officer. And, um, you know, he kind of essentially wrapped a bow around his job, which is, you know what, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, turmoil out there and a lot of danger and a lot of things going on, but their job is to serve and protect. And the sheepdogs are watching the sheep when, mm -hmm. even when other people aren't. And, uh, that makes me feel safe, right? That's the old Jack Nicholson. We'll bring up a few good men, right? You want me on yep. that wall. You need me on that wall. There no, are people out there, people out there doing things that, um, we're either not willing to do or not qualified to do. And we're really, really thankful that we live in a, a wonderful place, COVID or not, to, uh, to appreciate the, uh, the, the, you know, the emergency service in the military the way we do. So uh, shout out to you guys as always. And, uh, and hopefully we can get some sense of normalcy here in the, in the near future, but we appreciate you uh, greatly. Yeah, very, very eloquently put by David Tuttle, and I second the, uh, the the words that he said. I mean, we appreciate everybody that goes out there and and makes the tough choices so that we don't have to. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Bleacher Blums. We enjoyed the time with you, and I hope you enjoyed the time with us. And as we end every podcast, as we leave the bleachers, the most important thing is to get after it, and most of all, believe it. 